13 years. She went to college in Raleigh, North Carolina um, at Peace, Peace College. That's where I met her. I was a teen when she was in the campus ministry in the Triangle Church there. And I remember her coming over for dinner sometimes with our family and just always looked up to her then and I still look up to her now. Rob and Chelsea have been married for six years and they have two adorable boys, which you've already seen their pictures, Bradley and Tyler. Let's pray for them because they're still a little sick. Um, and Chelsea's been working with the New Jersey Campus Ministries for eight years this summer. And they've been over, Rob and Chelsea have been overseeing the New York Campus Ministries for four years. Chelsea is an amazing servant of God and she deserves our full attention today. Let's really give her our hearts. Let's give her her open ears. Open your notebooks if you haven't already. So we have a lot to learn from her. Come on. Go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you, and we are so grateful to be in your family. It is a blessing to be in this room, to be able to learn more about you, to grow in our walks with you, even just to talk to you and talk about you is an honor. God, thank you so much for Chelsea and other women like her that serve so, so tirelessly, God, in your church. I pray that you speak through Chelsea, God, fill her with your spirit. Um, I pray that we can really hear whatever you want to teach us through her today. We love you so much, and in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's go, Chelsea. I'm so excited to be with you all. I've always heard so much about CTP. I'm so glad I finally get to be here. And I just want to say, from all of your sisters in New York and Jersey, I wanted to give you guys a nice New York hello. How you doing? <laughs> it's great to have our ministries be together, too. I'm so glad we got to bring some of our staff in. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is 
is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept out loud, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. with God. 
She was following God, which drove her to then follow Naomi. Orpah was searching for earthly love and security. Ruth for eternal love and security. Ruth knew that without God, I have no real hope. I may go back home, find a husband, have a family, have financial stability, but I'll be returning back to a false God. And then I have nothing. But if I go to Bethlehem with Naomi, I might have no husband, no family, no friends because back then foreigners were ostracized, no community, no money because she had no husband, but I'll have God. And then I have Deciding to go back to Bethlehem with Naomi meant choosing a future in which she had no protector. She would be lonely. She would be financially um, destitute. And she would likely face racial prejudice. Literally, whatever it takes, right? She says, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. Her mind is made up. She was determined to go with Naomi and follow God to live the rest of her life until the day she died. It was Ruth's love for God that drove her to do whatever it takes. And it's our love for God that needs to drive us to do whatever it takes to get godly training. I have three points about how we get godly training. Number one is we're trained by our walk. Number two, we're trained by our work. And number three, we're trained by world changers. So number one, we're trained by our walk. Our walk with God and the things we go through in our walk with God are opportunities for Godly training. Yeah. Ruth and Orpha were both facing a devastating time in their walk with God. This was a pivotal moment. They each had a decision to make. And when life took a turn for the worst, Orpha went back home. Back to what was familiar, back to what was comfortable, back to what she can control, back to what was easy. And Ruth persevered and used this crisis as an opportunity to go deeper in her walk with God. Are you an orphan or a Ruth? Do you view hardship as an obstacle or as an opportunity? Turn over to John 15. Good stuff. In John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Mm. The Bible says that we can be pruned so that we can bear more fruit. You know, it doesn't say every branch that bears fruit they receive peace and comfort. Mm. You know? No, it says every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Right. And pruning can come in the form of a hard time, a crisis, a sin or our character being exposed, or even times of waiting. And these types of pruning are training times. Mm. When God prunes us, it's because he loves us and believes in us. He knows we have the potential to be more Christ-like than we already are. And that's why we need to see times of pruning as a good thing. Yeah. It means that God sees the potential in us to be more like Jesus. Mm. We can't get God's training, godly training without God's pruning. Yeah. You know, the past seven months for me have been the most intense time of pruning in my life. I 
I've struggled with depression and anxiety for most of my life, but last semester it became debilitating. I weaned my youngest son, and the hormonal change sparked a severe season of depression and anxiety. And since it's something I've struggled with, like often growing up, usually I kind of know, you know, how to cope with it, how to kind of push through, but this was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. I completely was debilitated by it. I couldn't sleep or eat for a few weeks. I lost a lot of weight. It felt like I was living in a panic attack. I couldn't even make it to take a shower some days. I completely couldn't function. I had a hard time just making it through the day. And those in my life encouraged me to take this time to rest and take care of myself. So I wasn't really doing much ministry. I had to get a lot of help with my kids. I had to go on medication. I'm still on medication. I had to go, um, I started this intense form of therapy for severe anxiety. I'm still doing that. And I still have a long road ahead, honestly. Like, we're kind of like mid, mid story, to be honest. Um, so it brought up a lot of deep insecurity for me. Can I be in the ministry with anxiety? Can I still lead going through all this? I even feel like I, I had a grieving period because just a few months before I had shared at this big conference we had in New York and England, I had shared about how I had overcome mental illness in my past, and I thought, like, now I'm back to square one. What does this mean about me? I honestly felt embarrassed. And you know, Mother's Day was last Sunday, and I took some time on Mother's Day to kind of reflect on the past seven months as a mom in person. But I was able to see all the good that God has used to bring into my life through this season. My husband and I are closer than ever. My relationship with my children is stronger than ever because I had to fight so hard to meet their needs. I'm more, com I'm more compassionate and loving leader, and I see our ministry changing as a result of that. I've had to learn how to rely on God in a deeper way than ever. I've already used it to share my faith with a few, pe a few people. And it helps keep me humble in the ministry, which is probably one of the greatest things it does. You know, but this has been one of the most intense training times in my life. And this scripture gives me hope. In Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. We have to change our perspective on suffering. Suffering is not something bad or a punishment from God. Suffering is the training ground for Christian maturity. God will use our walk with him to train us so that we can be better used by him. No, look back in Ruth. We're going to pick up in Ruth 1, verse 19. Let's go, Chelsea. And it says here, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back Because of this, these women, it says. 
They are clearly showing everyone there and us what it means to be trained by our walk with God. They had been through life, and they still show up faithful and obedient to God. And what I love about Naomi here is that she was really willing to go there with what she was feeling. She wasn't running away. She wasn't hiding or covering it up. She was taking what God had given her, and she went head on in training mode. How do we get training from our walk with God? We get training through the word, through the prayer, through prayer, and through the body. So getting trained by the word. You know, our daily times with God train us so that we can get through hard times. In John 15, it tells us to remain in the vine, remain in Jesus, remain close to Jesus. And we know from John 1 that Jesus is the word. So in order to remain in Jesus, we need to be in the word. Mm-hmm. We can't grow without the word. We'll stay stuck. Yeah. We can't help people if we don't grow. So we can't lead in God's kingdom if we're not really in the word. Yeah. And before I studied the Bible, you know, I, I had severe depression and anxiety when I was a teenager. I got baptized when I was 16. So before I even studied the Bible, I was hospitalized multiple times for self-harming. And I was very rebellious and I was immoral. And when I decided to study the Bible, I really decided, I'm a preacher's kid too, so that paints a better picture. But I really decided, I'm not going to just do this church thing. I'm going to really find out who God is from the Bible for myself. And I read my Bible for hours a day. I read it on the bus, on the way to school, at lunch, at school, uh, after school, before bed, like almost any time I had free, I was in the Word. And I wanted to know who God was, like really from the Bible, not the God I heard in church, heard about in church my whole life, but who really is God and what does he have to say to me? And let me tell you, when we go to God humbled and surrendered, a supernatural change occurs. Mm -hmm. The Bible really changed me. People, even at my school, were commenting, what's different about you? Did you change your hair or makeup? (laughs) It was God. It was the Bible. Bible makeover. And, you know, I'm so glad I started off my walk with God that way because I've trained myself to go to the Bible to guide my life. And I'm so grateful for therapy and how much help I've gotten from therapy. But honestly, nothing calms my anxiety like the Word of God. When my anxiety gets high, I have a page of scriptures that I read. I'm amazed by how many scriptures I've found to help me through the season. It's taken a lot of time and digging in the Word to find. And you know, during that time when I was told to take it easy and kind of focus on getting better, I spent hours of time again in the Word and in prayer. It saved me. I could not have gotten through that season without remaining close to Jesus. We need to go to the Bible to train us teach us, to encourage us when times are hard. It's harder to dig into the word than to turn on Netflix. But we have to do it if we want godly training. We need to turn to the Bible not just when times are hard. Mm -hmm. We need consistent daily time in the word so that we have faith and trust in God so that we can can grow through times of hardship. There's no way to do this without sacrificing. You have to put in the time. You know, and I know college can feel very busy, but honestly, life just gets busier after college. <laughs> Enjoy extra time in the Word while you can. My senior year was my busiest year. I was student teaching, working like a regular seven to four, or whatever it is. And I read my Bible every morning and every night. 
and it was the best year I had spiritually of all of college. And three of my friends became Christians, and I was the happiest. I enjoyed that year the most. The Bible really works. The sacrifice is so worth it. Godly training comes first from the Word. We need to get trained by prayer. Sometimes the lesson of training during hard times is to learn to submit to God's will. We need to be having Garden of Gethsemane prayers. When Jesus said, you know, not my will, but your will, God. Jesus didn't just pray about his day. He prayed about the deep things on his heart. And he wrestled with surrender in prayer. Yeah. You know, the day before I married my husband, and all throughout our dating relationship, but I literally remember praying this the night before our wedding. I prayed, God, if this is not from you, stop this wedding. Yeah. And I meant it. I mean, that was hard to pray, but I meant it. Because I didn't want to end up who God didn't want me to be with. I prayed when I was pregnant with my children. God, if these babies aren't going to make it to heaven, then keep them in heaven with you. Mm. I, you know, I pray, I pray that about ministry. Like, God, if you don't want me in the ministry, expose that. You know, but we have to want God's will. And the Bible is filled with examples of people pouring out their hearts to God. When we surrender and let God into the deepest places of our heart, then he can really train us and change us. And lastly, we need to get trained by the body. Mm-hmm. What I love about Naomi here is her realness. <laughs> she is turning herself in and being brutally honest about where she's at. She says, call me bitter. Like, do you know what the Bible says about bitterness? That's a bold statement. <laughs> she's struggling. She says she's empty. She's even honest about her feelings towards God. Yeah. You know, what happens? God doesn't strike her dead. She, he doesn't punish her for being honest. And Ruth and the other woman just stayed there, right there by her side listening. And what inspires me about Ruth and Naomi is that they surrounded themselves with other godly women during the most vulnerable time in their life. We can want to hide. We can want to isolate from people. You know, we can want to be fake. I know what it can be like down here in the South because I went to college here. <laughs> Sometimes we can cover up how we're really doing. You know, who are the women in your life who you can really turn yourself into? Who are you painfully honest with? Who knows your worst? I love this quote about Ruth. It says, a young woman has committed herself to the life of an old woman rather than to the search of a husband. One female has chosen another female in a world where life depends on men. There is no more radical decision in all the men. We need to commit ourselves to other women during training times in our walk with God. And God blesses humility. Mm-hmm. You know, part of what helped Ruth and Naomi's story turn around so drastically was that they were willing to do the hard things. They were willing to be honest about where they were at and how they were feeling and what was going on. Mm-hmm. When hard times come, we need to view them as an opportunity to get training from God. Mm-hmm. We allow ourselves to be trained with God, then he can train us to do his work. And that's my second point. Trained by our work. Look over in Ruth 2. Let's go, Chelsea. In Ruth 2, starting in verse 1, or starting in verse 2, it says, Ruth the the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out into the field and began to glean behind the harvesters. 
As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from, uh, from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseers of the harvest, who does that one young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you and wherever you are thirsty, whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jar and then at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in their homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have taken refuge. So this is amazing. We learned so much about Ruth's character here. Mm -hmm. She is tenacious. She immediately got up and began working those fields. You know, think of all the excuses she could have come up with. She was breathing. She took initiative. She didn't know exactly which field to go. She just knows I'm going. She's courageous. And these days, women do not venture out alone because they left them vulnerable. So this decision would have taken extreme courage and faith in God's protection. She's a hard worker. It says that she was cleaning all day, which would have meant 16 hours. She was tired. She's humble. This process of cleaning was left to the poor people. So that shows that she was willing to serve in low, menial ways. She's faithful. She went out there in faith that God would bless her work. Yeah. And what motivated Ruth to sacrifice this way? It was her love for God. Even Boaz knew you've found shelter under the wings of God. In Romans 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. This is your true and proper worship. So what should motivate us? It should be our view of God's mercy. Mm. You don't hear about any work that Orpher did for God, but you hear about Ruth. Orpha and Ruth had different views. Orpha was looking at herself, what her future would be, what was practical, what made sense, what she could see. So she missed out on God's plan for her. Ruth was viewing God's mercy. Despite all that happened to her, she saw how good God was, and it made her go forward in following him. What is your view? Is your view on yourself or on God's mercy? Mm. You know, when I first started having a hard time with anxiety last semester, there was a girl who wanted me to study the Bible with her. And I could think of every reason why not to. Because I really wasn't doing much ministry at all at that point. I was told to take it easy. I had severe anxiety still. It was a pretty far drive. Part of me was like, am I even up for that? I felt like... You know, the biggest thing was I felt like, should I even be leading studies? I had that big underlying security because I felt like such a mess myself. Mm -hmm. And I got advice, and I decided that I needed to do it. 
to allow myself to be used by God when I felt incredibly weak, and honestly, just for my own discipleship of Jesus as Lord, no matter what I'm going through. And she got baptized a few weeks later. She's amazing. She was actually watching my sick kids this morning. <laughs> She's awesome. But, you know, we've had semesters where people are getting baptized left and right, but being involved in that one study was one of the most faith-building things I've ever been a part of. Because it taught me that it really isn't about me, and that God can use me even in my worst of times. And I think the biggest lesson I've learned through marriage, through motherhood, and through anxiety, is that God has instilled a deep conviction in me about how badly the women in the world need God. I think about what it takes to have a healthy marriage, what it takes to be a good mom, and just what it takes to make it through the day as a woman, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm literally, mm -hmm. like, I do not know how people do it without God. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm on campus, I look at these young women and think, what if one day they go what I'm going through? How are they going to do it without God? They need God. When I remember how Jesus was willing to surrender and give up his life so that others can be saved, it reminds me that I can also set aside what I feel and what I'm going through yeah. and help the women that he's put in my path make it to heaven. Yeah. Turn over in John 12. Let's go, Chelsea. It's good stuff. In John 12, verse 24, it says, Very, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Anyone who loves their life will, I think I wrote it twice, sorry. <laughs> I copied it in my notes. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So seeds placed in the ground don't grow unless they die first. Dying to ourselves means to empty out our sinful nature so that there will be room to be filled with Christ. This concept of dying to ourselves is really hard for our generational group <laughs> because it's so countercultural to how our generation lives. Our generation is truly a group who loves their life. They value comfort, what people think, and pleasing themselves more than they value what God values. We can't let this culture creep into our discipleship. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to talk about four things we need to die to in order to produce many seeds. You guys with me? Yeah. The first thing is pride. Mm. Do you love having a title or role more than you love serving in your role? A lot of times pride for us takes the form of insecurity. Yeah. We can think, since I want to be a leader, I have to know everything, and I can't make any mistakes. We become paralyzed by what people think. We're afraid to go out in the fields by Ruth because we're terrified of failing. We're afraid to ask questions because we don't really want people to know what we don't know. The people in your life who are training you know that you don't know many things. <laughs> like what the word intern means, right? Mm -hmm. You can't be trainable if you're not teachable. And you can't be teachable if you don't ask questions. Mm -hmm. We need to die to our pride and be willing to ask questions and be real about the things we still need training in. Mm -hmm. I also think sometimes we can feel like we need to be perfectly trained before we get out there and do anything. 
You know, I had very little training when I first started in ministry. I learned by doing it and by messing up many a study. There's nothing special about Ruth that made her a good candidate. She was just willing. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with us. If you don't know how to do it already, you just need to be willing and willing to learn. You don't need to be trained in how to get someone to study. Just ask someone to study. You don't need to have memorized all the points in the study. Just preach the scripture. Mm-hmm. We can give way to fear. And you know, ladies, Satan wants us to feel insecure. Yeah. Satan wants you to be too afraid to try. Mm. But Ruth got her security from God. She could have made a ton of excuses or reasons to feel inadequate. And literally, as a foreign woman, like if you were to rank social majority, like her social popularity, she would have literally been number 15, like lowest at the bottom. Mm. So she had every reason to feel insecure. But God chose her to bring about Jesus into the world, the highest ranking, most awesome of all time. So let's die to our pride and believe that despite our flaws and mistakes, God will bless our work and make it grow. The second thing we need to die to is selfishness. We create boundaries based off our willingness or our comfort zone instead of serving unconditionally the way that Jesus would. Maybe there's a type of person you're afraid to reach out to. Hard conversations you're avoiding. Maybe you wait for your campus minister and get, to get in there and have those hard talks. Or maybe for you it's just denying yourself and pulling in guests at Devo instead of talking to your friends the whole time. Maybe you struggle with being unwilling to serve in menial ways, whether it's giving rides or taking a girl you're studying with to get coffee and encourage her. But you know, Jesus served in big ways and in little ways. Mm-hmm. We need to learn how to set aside our emotions. Mm-hmm. Imagine all that Ruth must have been feeling. I can't even imagine. She pushed through her emotions to provide for her and for Naomi. Some of us serve our emotions more than we serve other people. Mm. You don't feel like leaving the study because you've had a hard day, so you ask someone else to leave it. You're in a mood, so you suck the energy out of Bible talk instead of giving energy. You're overtired and sensitive, so you don't engage in meaningful conversations with visitors. Jesus never said no to giving. We need to die to our selfishness. The third thing we need to die to is idolatry. Being in the ministry can become an idol for some people. Leading can become an idol for us. And you know, it's discouraging when our ministry or our Bible talk isn't doing well. When people are struggling, it's discouraging when someone gets so close when they're studying the Bible and then decide not to follow Jesus. It's discouraging when people fall away. You know, you enter the ministry with big dreams, and sometimes nothing is going the way you want it to. Or sometimes, just take that even for a semester. We start off with all these great semester goals, and everything falls flat. Those dry semesters will test your heart. Are you doing this for the results, or are you doing this for God? That's what it will test. Of course we want to see our ministries grow, but at the end of the day, we're not working for the results. We're working because Jesus is Lord, and Jesus wants his children in heaven with him. We need to remember that at the end of the day, it's a privilege to share the gospel of Jesus. And the Bible talks about how we're in the ministry of following the suffering of Christ. Hmm. 
have an attitude of, no matter how many people say no, I am not going to stop because I know this is right. And I want to please God. A lot of people said no to Jesus, but he did not let that discourage him. Because God was his motivation, not how many people were following him. It's a privilege for us to follow in his ministry, regardless of the results. Amen? Amen. The last thing we're going to talk about is dying to faithlessness. We limit God by only having a vision for the kingdom on what we can see as possible, instead of having a faith fueled by our God of the impossible. We can decide in our hearts, God can't do that. God can't use me for that. You know, for me, it was when I first started off in campus ministry, I really struggled with believing that God could use me to help a stranger on campus become a Christian. Especially as a human parent, I struggled with that. And I, I think I had tried a lot and didn't see it happen. And I was just tempted to lose faith and just feel like that's just not my thing. I'm the person who studies with the people who someone else brought. But, you know, I decided the Bible says the harvest is plentiful. We just need workers. Yeah. And I don't see any biblical reason why God wouldn't use me as a worker. So then that's just not true, according to the Bible. So our ministry, one time, at this point our ministry was still under 30, and we decided to share with a thousand people in a day. And I shared with around 500 people, and one girl became a Christian. And I was so pumped! <laughs> and you know, she was my right-hand girl that semester. Like, God really handpicked the perfect girl for me. She, she helped me study the Bible with Shauna, who's going to come up in a minute. But um, we need to be women who take God at his word. Let's not limit God by putting our faith in comfortable boxes. Let's remember that we serve a limitless God whom all things are possible with. So what is it for you? What do you need to die to in order to be more fruitful for God? Let's get trained by our work and step out on the mission field with courage to serve Jesus without limits. Now, third point here is trained by world changers. And I'm going to have Shauna come up and share for this part. Shauna Gill, this is Shauna. Let's go, Shauna. She serves the full-time ministry with us in the New Jersey campus ministry. And when I heard this class was going to be about going after training, I immediately thought of Shauna. Because she's actually the best person I know in this. She is a modern-day walking-in-the-flesh Bruce. And I'm so excited you guys get to learn from her. So here she is. She's good. to help women made me hungry for any training I could get. 
She gives Ruth 
bunch of instructions about how she can snag the last, right? <laughs> and I love Ruth's response in Ruth 3, verse 5. She says, I will do whatever you say. Yeah. Why was this her response? Ruth understood that their livelihood and their survival was at stake. Ruth didn't say, I will do whatever you say because she was being controlled or because she couldn't think for herself. She knew Naomi had her best interests at heart and loved her. So we must value our trainers, our Naomi, any feedback, direction, or insight we can get from them. Training is not about just doing what somebody says and being a yes ma'am. I know I can struggle with that. But it's about listening, considering, and responding, making it your own and coming to your own convictions. And this has not always been my strength. Um, I remember a few years ago, Chelsea was discipling me, and she just brought up to me that she felt that I was very comfortable in campus ministry and that I was playing it safe. And at the time, I just didn't get it. I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm not out here on campus just sitting down. I'm sharing my faith. I'm in Bible studies. I'm helping my girls in my Bible talk. I'm working hard and I'm pushing myself. I don't know what she's talking about. But you know how someone keeps bringing the same thing up over and over again every couple weeks, you know? And I'm just like, what is she talking about? And I started praying about it. Like, God made it clear to me because she must be saying something that I don't because I don't understand what she's saying. But what Chelsea, what Chelsea saw that I couldn't see was that I wasn't reaching my full potential. I was doing all the things that God wanted me to do, but I was limiting myself. I was working at an energy level that I was comfortable with. And as a new school year approached, I did my usual routine of getting ready for the semester with praying, fasting, and reading. And I was praying about the comfortability and trying to figure out what do I want to push myself to do in terms of sharing. And I have been to retreats and conferences in the past where I've heard men from Boston talk about the G Club mm -hmm. and that they shared their faith with a thousand people in one week. And I just was like, I could never do something like that. I'm not like a risk taker by nature at all. But then I thought, you know what, Sean, you can do that. Even though like, I've never really heard of a girl doing that, why don't you try to do that with God? I was like, oh, no, it's not that serious. I don't want to do that. But, you know, God made it really clear that I want to do that. So then I did. And um, I decided that I was going to share with a thousand people in the three days of kickoff kick week. So I strapped up with the word. I was praying. I was really nervous and shaking each morning. But those three days were all about self-denial. Mm -hmm. I got to campus at 7 or 8 in the morning, going for it until campus was dead. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but also the most faith-building. I shared with everyone I saw, large, ta large tables of people, the entire cafeteria, groups of friends, one-on-one. -on -one. If you were a person, I was talking to you. <laughs> and I remember, this is a really embarrassing story, but I remember my last day of sharing, I had about 20 people left, and I was just hitting a wall. I just wanted to disappear. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be there anymore. I had a headache. My feet was hurting. I got my period. I just was like, I'm just so done. I'm going to be here. So I go to the bathroom, and I see this girl, she's charging her phone, and I was like, okay, after he's in the bathroom, I'm going to um, share my faith with her. So I go into the stall, and I squat to use the bathroom, and then I started wondering, like, why is that my period in the floor? And then I look back, and I was like, oh my gosh, I realized that I just pulled my pants down, and I never backed up to the toilet. Oh! So I peed on the floor, and then I remembered that this girl was right, like, literally, like, just a couple feet with her phone charged. I was like, what am I going to do? Sure. 
Christian for two and a half years now, and she has like blossomed this past school year. She helped four people on her campus become Christians this this school year, and then one guy in her uh, her class she reached out to became a Christian not too long ago, and she, now she's in our um, training um, internship for this summer, which is really awesome. And at our annual beach retreat, Ajane became a Christian. We baptized her in the ocean. She became a Christian after studying with her for a full year. She's a senior now and is a part of our summer internship as well. And the truth is, when we're trained by a world changer, you become one. Naomi changed Ruth's life for the better. And we know that Ruth became the great-grandmother of King David and ultimately a part of Jesus' lineage. I love that Ruth and Naomi empowered one another. They looked out for each other and helped each other. And this can be really unnatural for us as women. I mean, it's so easy to be competitive, to compare ourselves with other people and make everything about me, 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 me. We can think, this is my visitor. This is my Bible study. I want to lead all these studies. I want to ask her these questions. We can even argue about who's going to put her head back. I want to be able to put her head back. You know, we crave these opportunities, but we need to be just as eager to give other sisters the same opportunity to grow and learn, to pass on what we know and to uplift one another. And this is hard for me. Naturally, I'm someone that just wants to do everything. But I've seen the benefits of not just being a trainee, but a trainer. Pulling out the potential in others and helping other people be great for God. Yeah. I want to share about one sister that's been raised up in our campus ministry. And really, she has one of the greatest comeback stories I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, I was discipling her, and we had hopes of training her and um, helping her be a part of um, her internship. But shortly after that, I found out she was in some crazy like sin. Like She was deceiving all of us. And it was super heartbreaking. We had to pull her out of leadership. And um, I remember that being so hard for her, she had to start everything over. Mm -hmm. She needed to, to rebuild her relationship with God, her foundation. Her conviction, she needs to understand why she even decided to become a Christian. Did she even become a Christian when she studied the Bible? Mm. It took a lot of time and investment to nurse her back to health. A lot of discipling, a lot of hard talks, a lot of perseverance. But she repented, and she started to dream again. Mm. She got back into studies, back into sharing her faith. And last ICMC, she pulled me aside and just told me, you know what, I still want to pursue ministry. Mm. But I feel like I just... But we know God's grace supersedes all sin, you know. So she radically repented. She gained conviction. And she started co-leading a Bible talk, taking on more responsibility. And now she's a part-time intern in our New Jersey campus ministry. She is one of the anchors in our campus ministry. It's been so cool to see her go from this really dark place to being someone that everyone looks up to in our ministry. She's just one of many women that have stories like this. There are women in your ministries that have great potential. They just need someone to love them, have the hard talks, say the hard things. And truly, the world needs us to be the best trainees and the best trainers we can be. And I just want to implore you to find yourself a trainer, to pass on what you've learned to someone else. Imagine the impact that you'll have in your ministry. Imagine what the church can be. Thank you for allowing me to share.
was not willing to do whatever it takes. Imagine if Ruth had turned back with Orpha. She would have missed out on God's incredible plan for her. Ladies, let's do whatever it takes like Ruth. Through training, we can be used by God to help change the lives of women around you and future generations of women. Mm -hmm. We can literally change the world through helping women become Christians. Let's get training in our walk with God. Let's get training in our work. And let's get training by world changers. Amen. Like, is anyone else's hand? 